This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. My name's Chris Miller. My name is Paul Anderson. My name is Mark Boyd. Hello. My name is Derek Combs, and I listen to the Blue Army Podcast. My name is Maddie Robson, and you're listening to the Blue Army Podcast. So, um, basically, what I've got is a little bit of news at the start, similar to last time. Um, a little bit about England and the League Nations. Uh, I'll ask you about like how, if you've been watching any England, how you feel like they've been getting on. A couple of fan questions this time, but to be fair to them, they're a little bit more... Uh, not about football necessarily, they're just a little bit more about you, I guess, like sort of like about your tastes and, 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 and things like that. They're not necessarily about your career. And then um, obviously we'll jump back into the, the second half of the, the career kind of thing. So um, if you'll allow me, I'll introduce you again. <laughs> oh, Reed Maris, how's it gone? And welcome back to the Blue Army podcast. This is episode 71, and I am absolutely buzzing to be joined by a man you may have met before here on the podcast. An absolute legend, the player that scooped the Player of the Year awards right here at Brunton Park. I'm talking about Super Matty Robson. Welcome back to the podcast, Matty. How are you doing? I am absolutely fantastically delighted to be here again and thank you again for the invite. Mate, um, like, like I just sort of like teased you in there, I've got a little bit of uh, news to cover and uh, it's always really nice to have you here, have any ex-pro here on the podcast because you can give quite a unique uh, perspective on things that not all of us can give. Um, Carlisle, in the last couple of weeks, have made a couple of signings, finally, finally. Um, there's been a little bit more nerves happening around the fans and we're not acting quickly in the transfer market. Now, in the rumblings towards pre-season, just before you go into training, um, do you expect to see a flurry of signings before training starts or does the majority of signings really start after training starts? You can, you can look at it two ways, Liam, I think. Yes, I think if any club, I guess even Carlisle could have conducted the business before pre-season starts, have that squad together. I think that would be the perfect scenario. Don't get me wrong. But 
I've been part of it, you know, and I'm sure it still happens where business is, is conducted right the way up until day dot first game of the season. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure they would prefer to have everyone um, in place, but the football market doesn't work that way. You know, people are on holidays, uncontactable. It, it, it's not too dissimilar from the job I'm doing now, recruitment, where they potentially have a lot of irons in the fire and are considering which option is best. You know, it's not necessarily the biggest club. It's not necessarily um, sort of the salary. It's where they're going to sort of fit. Um, so, yeah, it, I, I've been part of both ways where we've, we've had, you know, a lot of the business has taken place before pre-season was due to start. But equally, I've been part of it where business has still been done, you know, quite heavy into pre-season. And it, and it, it, it I guess... The guys who are already signed up, they don't wouldn't worry about that too much. Um, you know, it, it's something that is expected. Um, again, as they would throughout the season, they just get on with it, um, and they can't they can't affect what what happens behind the scenes. But yeah, it, 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 it's one of those. It's I guess it's upon availability and upon a decision making, it, the process will just continue right the way through. Um, I guess till the window closes, really. I mean, like what, what what we've got the advantage of is having a really experienced manager in a transfer market that can be, uh, you can get a lot of really smart action done towards the tail end of the transfer market if you're in the yeah. lower league. Certain players might feel a little bit of a pinch and they want to just sort of get signed up if they haven't been attached to a club or yeah. maybe been on trial somewhere and those trials haven't worked out. So um, what basically I'm trying to do here, Matt, is, is ease, ease a couple of Carlisle United fans' worries about maybe not having so many signings to talk about yet but one of the signings we do have to talk about is uh, a wonder all the way from the Czech Republic he's six foot eight and he's a goalkeeper mate he's huge uh, I can see your reaction there I wanted to ask you mate I wanted to ask you so I've heard it on a different podcast uh, the Peter Crouch podcast goalkeepers are a different breed of people now is that true mate our goalkeepers are a little bit weird is that true oh, I mean you took the word right out of my mouth weird <laughs> Like honestly, the, the the goalkeepers union as it used to be, they're just a unique brand. Um, yeah, it's yeah, they're part of their own little dressing room, really. They, although they're not, they just have their own little little click going on. They just you know mosey about doing. Sometimes you look at keepers and you think, wouldn't it be great to be a goalkeeper? Then when you get into the harsh months of November and February, and they come in absolutely. Pardon my French, but piss wet through with mud. <laughs> I think, nah. But yeah, they're 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 a unique brand. Um, but yeah, I did notice that it did make me laugh because I saw the picture that was put on the social media. And at first, I thought, is Greg stood in a hole? <laughs> guy absolutely towered above him. Um, I mean, he looks some size. Um, don't get me wrong, and obviously having a, a an imposing figure like that is 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 quite intimidating. Thomas Hoyley, the man's name is, and all the best to him, and I hope he gets off to a great start pre-season at Brunton Park. Another person that we signed, mate, is a, a lad called Owen Moxley. Now, he's quite interesting. He sparked a debate here on the podcast a couple of episodes ago between me and a couple of my usual co-hosts, Wills and uh, Liam Denwood, that I'll shout out here. Um Basically, mate, what the debate started around was the level, once you get past the Scottish Premier League, when you're in Scottish Division 1, Division 2, um, 
what is that adjacent to in the English pyramid? And when we're taking players from there, what should we kind of be expecting in terms of quality? See, just to give you a little bit of an insight, mate, we kind of settled on uh, League Two in Scotland. That's the lowest sort of a semi-pro kind of league in Scotland, being adjacent to the sort of Northern Premier, South Premier kind of standards. Uh, I don't know if you'd agree with that or... Because or, you yourself obviously uh, kind of played at that standard uh, up until yeah. quite recently. And, and, and even then, I mean, obviously when I did sort of spells in, in, in the Northern League and um, whatever, my first season in there was was a bit of a shell shock. And I might that come, that might come as a, a surprise. It was kind of like whoa, you know, it was it was it was fast, it was furious, and it it took me a good while to adapt. Um, but also in that sort of first couple of seasons, I played with a guy called Lewis Wink. Um, who went on to sign for Middlesbrough and has been Sheffield Wednesday. So there are, or there is, still good talent in that league and the, the league is competitive. Um, would it be the same as Scottish League 2? I'd maybe be doing that a little bit disservice because you know I've, I've not played at that level. But, I mean, I don't think it'd be too far away. It's possibly, possibly better structured, better organised. Don't get me wrong. That's probably where the difference and um, and and the quality may differ. Um, it, it it probably is more organised and you know the process is better. But um, yeah, I, I guess it wouldn't be too much of a of a jump. Let's say if you were pulling a player out of the Northern Premier League to go into, into League Two. But it's like anything. There's always going to be that you know that that one player within any team who's got that ability to step up. Um, so. No, fingers crossed it, it, it goes well for the lad. Um, I'm sure we'll get the, the full backing of, 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 of the Carlisle support to, to sort of spur him on and, and sort of be a success. Yeah, that's it. I mean, he's a Carlisle lad as well. I mean, you yourself, like you said, yeah, playing at that Northern Premier sort of level, um, you must have had a couple of kids uh, in, in, in teams that you were in that you thought should probably get uh, called up to higher levels or, or, or maybe not, mate. What What is that standard like? Is there lots of kids and is there just lots of like lads as well that should probably be playing at a higher level but aren't? Yeah, there is. Like you said, the one that I mentioned there, uh, Lewis Wing, who was a, when I, when I first started playing with him, he, he was he was very slight, um, you know. He he was sort of a little bit bigger than me, but you could just see he, he possessed that little bit of quality. His technique was was fantastic. He was probably his um, kind of wasn't slow, but he was kind of he, he could have done with a yard. Um, but his performances week in week out, I think he scored like forty one goals or something from from midfield, which is at any level. Is 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 a is a fantastic return, and um, I think we played a, a friendly against Middlesbrough uh, just through connections that, that the club had, um, and they seen him play, and they and they saw he had ability, and they took a chance on him. Um, and at the time, he was working a full time job. Um, he had been he was getting paid, um, you know, through the correct channels at, at the the level he was playing. But his employees said, "Look, go and do it. Go and experience it." You know, they, I think they signed him on a two-year deal. Or initially, it was a year with a with a, an option of an extension. So go and do it. We'll keep your job open. Um, if it doesn't work, you come back. The rest is history. You know, he, he played sort of went there for six months, and then signed a four-year deal. He's then gone on to sort of you know forge a career. Um, for Wednesday, end of the big club, and I think he finished the uh, end of the last season at Wickham. Um, 
but yeah, the, there are a number of, of, of lads at that level who, you know, could step up to tier levels of, you know, your gate heads, your, um, your teams in kind of the, I guess, the conference norths and potentially league twos. The problem comes, um, you know, the, the some of the, the clubs at, at that level, um, see, you're all paid by the club through the, you know, you, obviously you get tax and stuff as well, but they're also getting paid at the full-time job. So the problem comes is when a club is potentially interested, but financially wise, it doesn't make sense for them to drop out and go and have a go at the pro. So for me, if I was at that age, and it was something I dreamed of doing, it would be a no-brainer. Um, but I think a lot of them haven't grown up on sort of the, the expectations that they're going to get picked up. They, they're not going to sort of make it anywhere. So they're not really open to it. Um, where for me, I, I, I encourage those to say, look, go and do it. You know, it's it, an opportunity that you've wanted. Um, but there are, yeah, there are a number of lads at, at sort of the lower league level. And and I dare say there's, there's some who play for Carlisle City and on the Saturday in the Northern League that are potentially being let go by another club. just so I've enjoyed playing, but I've still got that appetite to, to try and make it as a pro, but I've just not had the breaks. And it, it's up and down the UK. It, 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 it's just one of them. Uh, you've got to be lucky. But yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, there's a number of lads that I've played with who I thought, oh, you know, there's something about you, whether the, you know, as fast as lightning, because, you know, any football club is interested with anyone with pace or whether it's that one person who's, so comfortable and composed on a ball. There's an abundance of them in the, in the lower leagues. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean that that that's interesting that you may have bore witness to a couple of lads considering turning down pro deals because they don't maybe make as much and they just enjoy yeah. playing at that kind of level and they maybe they just enjoy the full time job and the security and living in the hometown that kind yeah. of vibe as well because yeah. there are a number of talented lads at Carlisle City and I'm looking forward to seeing a number of them play uh, next year. It's an interesting league next year uh, with the likes of Penrith and other Cumbrian teams that are going to be in the same league. So plenty of uh, really good fixtures to look forward to at Guildford Park. Um, yeah. Some fixtures I haven't really looked forward to, mate, is this uh, fake league, uh, the uh, the Nations League. I'm not a big fan of this. I feel like it's one of those uh, money-spinning ideas that are supposed to make us forget that we're supposed to be watching World Cup football right now. And um, it just it just all seems a bit fake, a bit of a facade. Uh, the the, the, um, the competition doesn't really mean much. And England's performances haven't been uh, that great. I mean, that's my two cents um, on the issue. I mean, uh, who, 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 has anyone been impressing you maybe from the squad who it's a different squad isn't it you could say he's yeah. shaking things up a little bit I guess I get, something you can say I think it's a, a squad that maybe Gareth Southgate's looking for you know he's probably looking ahead to the World Cup don't get me wrong and he, he's looking for I guess potentials who can slot into that 23 man squad um, but yeah this, this Nations League, I'm, I'm, I'm not fully set on it, I think, of what I've seen. And it might just be, you know, the, an end of season thing. It's been a massive long season. Um, you know, it just seems a little bit flat. Um, obviously, I haven't taken in any of the other sort of home nation games. Um, but I've, I have watched sort of um, a couple of the England ones. And I'm thinking, you know, that it's, it's a bit flat. Can you sort of excuse tiredness? Yeah, to an extent. Um but you think you know, still pulling on that shirt. You wanna, you wanna win. You wanna perform. And but I don't know even know whether the players are, are fully vibing it. Um, 
I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, there was another, it was a few weeks ago, there was some game going on at Wembley, Argentina versus Italy in some cup competition. I was like, what the hell is that? You know, it, again, it's, it, it is it is a money spinning thing, some of these tournaments. Um, one thing I, I kind of, kind of am kind of against is a lot of these posts and things brandished around on social media and, and in the papers about, you know, is it Southgate's time to go? I'm thinking, come on, I'll give you a wobble. You know, I, 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 I'm not for that, you know. You don't think so? No, uh, you know, I think what he has done for the over the past four years and turning, I guess, not just the team around, but I think the nation around into you know, getting involved, getting right back behind the national squad has is, 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 is been fantastic. You know, every team goes through, blip. Christ, I, I think I went through one every season at Carlisle, you know, but, you know, I wasn't, I, you know, I'm not going to stand up after four games and think, get rid of that manager. You know, we all go through them and whether they are jaded, whether they've, you know, they've, they have had a lot of games, there's a lot of pressure, you know, they've gone through, I guarantee they'll come out, but for those calling for his head, I'm thinking, come on, you know, they, I think it's 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 those fans that I think, yeah, there's got to be a bit more understanding behind actually what has gone on and, and what is still possible with that team. Um, and I mean, it's 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 one of those. I mean, they are playing tonight as well. And whether I go and go and take it in or not against Hungary is is, is a different matter. But yeah, it, it just seems a little bit flat and um, not something I've I've been massively behind to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's not been an impressive tournament since day dot. I mean, obviously, you get a little bit excited when you get to a final the first time around, but yeah. I mean, it just doesn't it just doesn't do anything for us, mate. They just feel yeah. like friendlies, and it looks like other nations feel the same way as well because the games don't really come across very competitive, really, no. to to uh, the bigger nations. There's more upsets than anywhere else. Your accumulators are screwed if you're betting on the nations. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely screwed if you're betting on the nations. Oh yeah, uh, it's one of them we just want to avoid. <laughs> right before I get to dive into asking you more questions mate I've been lucky enough to get a couple of emails of a couple of listeners um, and they're going to ask you a couple of questions and uh, let's dive into it mate the first one is from a lad called Paul Graham uh, he says after talking about sandwich shops and pizza uh, uh, Italian restaurants on the last podcast I'd like to know what your favourite pizza topping is for one and for two, what your go-to meal deal is? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favourite pizza topping. Um, I mean, God, it, it could open up a can of worms here. Um, don't get me wrong; I ain't going to say pineapple because that deserves no place on a pizza. Um, I mean, not in your top five. No, no, it's, it's not even on the list. Um, <laughs> I, I see. Um, I, I like a bit of sort of the, the spicy stuff I like you know anything that's gonna sort of kick me taste buds into gear and um, whatever so something like uh, bolognese jalapenos um, all, all that type of stuff is is probably got to be up there you know something that not something sort of mediocre like a ham and mushroom I like something that's gonna sort of be interesting to eat uh, so anything oh, spicy there's like a bit extra chili flakes, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, bit of chili yeah. oil, especially when you go out. Put any chili oil, bring that over. Um, nice. I, 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 I like sort of a bit of temperature my food. Go to meal deal. Meal oh, deal. That, that is that is. Um, gosh, um, so probably. I would talk <laughs> just a normal bog standard four court, 
garage meal deal. Like, basically, like, 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 yeah, for example, like today, I got a quite disappointing meal deal. I went to the spa and it cost me three ninety nine for a cheese <laughs> savoury sandwich, a fan of fruit twist and uh, a packet of prawn cocktail crisps. And I, okay. I wouldn't give it a high rating, mate. I really wouldn't. Yeah, um, that, but that, if you could have your favourite meal deal, yeah, like along oh, those lines, what we're looking at. this is going to sound excessive, but I do like a chicken triple, so, you know, chicken and stuff, and that, that might compromise the chicken and bacon, but then also okay. chicken, mayonnaise and sweet corn, get, get something like that in there. Ooh, um, sweet corn. I'd possibly go for a kind of, um, might sound a little bit highbrow here, you know, um, <laughs> kind of San Pellegrino. Um, oh. A bit of lim- limonata, San, San Pellegrino. Very lemon. nice and okay, refreshing. Um, and a pack of salt and vinegar squares again, Ooh. controversial, not for everyone, yeah. Um, popular so, uh, though, popular, they yeah, are popular that's why that's why the back, isn't it? That's why they're that back. You can get them in a grab bag for those convenience stores <laughs> that want to push the boat out. You can get a pound and they're the but size you, of your head or your lips <laughs> by the end of it, man. You must be oh, absolutely oh, taught, man. <laughs> or, or, or on the night you're waking up, you're. That's it, like, man. Yeah. Feeling your tongue from your mouth. <laughs> I like them, but that'd be a lot of them, mate. That'd be a lot it's of the them. Discos, the discos are slightly worse because you always leave that little powder in the in the bottom. And if you get it, it turns your head inside out. Yeah. <laughs> Very strong. <laughs> oh man. I mean, there you go, Paul, mate. There you go. You got your answer. Um, Stuart Dowling uh said um you had a lot of numbers when you were at Carlisle. Um, did you have a favorite number? You're going to wrap my brains here. I think I came in as number 10, didn't I? Yeah. Started start at number 10. But I think knowing sort of where I'd become, I thought I was set on number three. Uh, I think that was that was that was that was my number. Um, was there anyone that inspires a number three for you? Is there a reason number three you gravitate towards it? Is it because of another player? No, I, I mean, obviously, you know, obviously being a Sunderland supporter, you know, in, in the time where I used to go and watch. So you think of the likes of Mickey Gray, who was again, obviously marauding fullback, which kind of I turned into, you know, someone who's just bombing up and down. But I, I never thought I want to be a number three, like you know, like Mickey Gray. Numbers a number, um, you know. At the end of the day, it doesn't make you play better. It doesn't make you any less sort of important than everyone else. Um, but yeah, I think number three sat well with me. I mean, um, it, it, number 10 was a bit random. I think, did you get that off, off Carl Hawley? Like, who did you even get the number 10 off? Number 10? Who would have just left? I can't think who it possibly could have been. Yeah. Or, no, oh, Danny. Danny hadn't left. The year I joined. Hadn't. No. Yeah, he'd have been, he'd have been, he'd gone down to Swansea by that time. Nah. It, it might have, it might have been. Yeah, it could have been. Random, random, yeah, random. Was, just, a, a, just a random number for a left side. I mean, like, for where you were playing on the pitch, number 10 was just a bit of a yeah. random number, especially at that time of the game when, like, you know, number 10s, number 9s, number 11. The, the numbers kind of meant a little bit more yeah. back in, you know, I mean, a couple of years ago. Now it seems to be, like, a bit of sentiment here, a bit more of that there. Like, it seems to be more about branding and, and, and yeah. stuff like that. So, no, weird numbers seem to mean a lot more to certain players these days. No, um, but, I mean, like I say, if, if I would, was to pick one, I thought, you know, a number three would would have been my sort of the number that I'd kind of thought, yeah, that's that suited me. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, Michael Hetherington, and I'm noticing, by the way, like this is the second question now, they're sneaking in two questions in one, so I do apologise for this, <laughs> mate. Um, Michael Hetherington's wanting to know, um, what was the last gig that you went to? And also, um, what is the CD that's in your glove compartment? That's always been in your glove compartment. So the last gig I went to was at the, I don't even know what it's called anymore, Utility Arena in Newcastle. Um, and it was a, I think it was some Planet Rock gig, but it was uh, Europe, Foreigner and Whitesnake. All right, um, like a full-on medley of classics. Okay. Yeah, so it was the three bands. Um, and I mean, feel free to push this out. We missed Europe because of the... F- chew on trying to get in queues at Newcastle so we missed Europe just as we were going through the door it's the final and I thought it's pointless even going in to get a seat (laughs) they're they're finishing their set go to the bar and And they could open and close with it you know they they could so yeah we we we, uh that that was the the last gig I went to um CD that's in my group group box Christ I'm down with the kids here I I use uh I use Spotify um, playlists built in now have you is that what you do yeah, you make your own playlists and I that? mean obviously the, the girlfriend and, and, and my son they go through dad, dad can I use your Spotify and they'll pick me but he starts liking music I'm thinking these YouTube kids I mean, no, I can't listen to that um, <laughs> but what was the um, what was the last album I listened to it might have been kind of ra- very random because I'm quite eclectic and Terms of music, I think it was something like might have been Eminem. Um, right. You know, a bit of the old school Eminem, like you know, it's um, that, and obviously a bit of Dr. Dre mixing all that. I thought, yep, yeah, that that's what I'm going to at the moment. But normal everyday stuff, Planet Rock on the on the on the radio. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's quite quite varied. But yeah, I think the last place was I think it was Eminem. I think if I'm if I'm right. All right, fair dues, fair dues. Yeah. I mean, like we've we've all got one stuffed away somewhere. Like we've all got a Marshall Mathers or something <laughs> stuffed away somewhere, right? Um, Damble Rain wants to know um, what teams do you support outside of football? Sort of like what's your NBA team, what's your rugby team, and 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 um, that kind of thing. So if you do follow any other sports? So obviously, my my, uh, my best friend um, spent. A lot of years over in America doing uni, and I visited him a couple of times. Um, and he was based in Fort Lauderdale um, and Boca Raton in in, in Florida. Um, so obviously, I spent a, a couple of summers over there, and we we took in sort of um, sort of sport and bars and TV. And I started to get into it um, when he first went over. So I started following the NFL and picked up the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I wasn't going to be a, a cheesehead and a glory supporter. Uh, back the underdog. Um, so I started following the Dolphins, um, also Miami Heat. Um, not so much into the in, into the basketball um, type stuff, but um, closer to home, uh, I follow Saints uh, in the Rugby League. I enjoy watching Rugby League. Um, so I've been to a, a, a few games that are closer to home when they have been playing. Uh, Castleford and, and what have you been a, a number of magic weekends so it, it's something I, I like to watch um yeah, I think I mentioned it in the in the previous podcast that it, it's the pace it's it's the intensity I thought yeah I like a bit of this a bit of me um so yeah I, I, I follow uh, St Helens 
Yeah, I mean, just for me, mate, I mean, I don't expect you to support Carlo United just because you played for him. You played for other teams as well. I mean, what, who is, I've, I think I've seen it on your social media, so I can probably guess who your team is, but who's who's, who's your football team? Like, who, who do you like to go and see? So, yeah, it, it is Sunderland. Um, you know, I used to go um, before I started ooh. playing. And, ooh. Um, <laughs> so I had, I, I, had the, I had the pleasure of uh, going down there in the, in the playoff final and, and actually seeing uh, seeing us win at Wembley, uh, fantastic atmosphere, um, you know, great occasion. Um, so yeah, I do follow. But you know, that said, um, you know, I also keep uh, obviously a very close eye on both Carlisle and Hartlepool. Um, You know, they are two fixtures that I look for every week um, without fail. Um, you know, the. the It'd be wrong if I didn't, really. <laughs> um, Scott Davis wants to know, um, and I'm not sure if we were recording when we spoke about this, that you alluded to this, but what are you keeping busy with nowadays? Um, I mean, I know I'm going to ask you a little bit later on about Shilden, um, and, you, and you've only recently stopped playing with Shilden. Um, but, um, yeah, what are you keeping busy with nowadays? I mean, obviously, I, I do work full-time, and, you know, it, it, I, I love what I do. Um, you know, I again it's a lot of speaking to people and getting to know people on a personal level which is something I enjoy doing but obviously at the same time trying to fill jobs um, but um, I still play on a Sunday I, I still try to play on a Sunday um, and kind of although I'm still playing sort of 99% of the roles I'm kind of take, also taking a little step back getting involved in kind of the assistant side of things trying to develop sort of the, the guys who are going to them who are going to be there beyond me? Because I'm, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be playing for, you know, the next few years if I, if I can get another year or two out. But also see these local lads who were just playing on a Sunday for fun. But if I can help them in any way at all to, to sort of become, I guess, better footballers. We know obviously it's it's recreational. You're going to have a drink on a weekend. That that's fine. But the, you can see they still want to win. Um, they still want to perform. And if I can in any way help, sort of developing not just sort of on a on a on a on a on a skill level but more of a um I guess on a on a personal level, you know, getting them to know that they are good enough and all that type of stuff. Then, then that's something I'm getting involved in. Um I'm not looking to do any sort of football badges, but I'm I'm that's doing it because you know I want I want to help out some local lads, you know. So yeah, I was wondering if it was the sort of direction that you were maybe going to go. We might see you in a track, like a proper tracksuit <laughs> at some point, maybe uh, see you push on in that way. But no, nah, I mean, because um, I did obviously read about you sort of going into a player coach role while you were at Shildon, and we'll move on to talk about that kind of stuff in just a little bit. But the last question that I've got for you is from a lad just called Dean. Uh, he's left the name Dean. He says, um, "Where do you keep your footy stuff, and what stuff have you kept?" I wouldn't tell people where you keep it, mate. I would. I'll just tell people where you've kept it and so uh, what I, you've kept, sorry. <laughs> so obviously a lot of uh, uh, family have obviously followed my career and sort of I've passed shirts off that I've had or that I've that I've sort of came into possession of. Um, but yeah, I've got, I, I keep quite a lot of sort of the, the shirts and um, sort of trophies that I've sort of came to, to have. Um, so I keep a lot of that. Um, my wider family have kept a, sh- a shed load of paper cuttings and, um, you know, stuff like that. So it, it's nice reading. Um, obviously, me, 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 my grandfather passed away uh, a couple of months ago. Um, and as they were clearing out the house, because me, me, me grandma's in a home, they were clearing out the house. Um, 
and they came across a kind of a folder. Um, and I, I didn't know he was doing this, um, but he, he'd kept it all from, you know, from school level right the way oh, through, wow, obviously, man. Hartlepool into Carlisle, paper clippings and all that type of stuff. And I, I was going around my auntie's uh, just to drop something off. She says, oh, I've got this for you. Um, I was like, oh, what is it? And I looked at it, I was like, bloody hell. I, I didn't even know he'd done it. And at the time, I had my little one in the car. I said, Ethan, have a look at that. And even he was like, Dad, is this you? And, you know, it, it made me smile, you know, that um, that actually I was in possession of something that my grandfather kept. So that that's now kind of uh, tucked away nicely in the, in the Littlands cupboard uh, for anything he wants to look at. So because he didn't get to see me play. Um, so it's, it's nice for him to, to look at and think, you know, actually, you know, my dad did achieve something and, um, and he, can, he can look back for me on it. Oh man, that's really cool. What I will say, if anyone is interested in getting the hands on any of Matty Robson's memorabilia, there is a shirt in Warwick Bazaar on Warwick was owed right now uh, for £40. It's a match-worn shirt. It's not signed, but it is a match-worn shirt with Matty Robson number 10. So if you're interested, in fact, any of Carlisle United's retro shirts, get yourself down to Warwick Road. They've got a little bit of a selection going. There you go, mate. There's a little free plug for you over at Gosh. Warwick Bazaar. We'll jump on uh, to actually talking about you, mate, and uh, we'll sort of like plough back in where we left off, which was you signing at Carlisle United. And in your first season... Uh, my friend, you had a bit of competition for your place in the shape of probably the most famous man in the league. I'm talking about the Irish international Ian Hart, the left-sided left-back. I mean, at that point of your career, was the idea of you being a left-winger or were you always going to be slotting back into that left-back position? Like, What was going on there in terms of, was that a competition between you and Ian Hart? What was your relationship like with Ian Hart? We had, we had a fantastic relationship, obviously, um, you know, first off, to actually play along alongside him, I was like, I'm in hell, this guy's been to the UEFA Champions League semi-final and, you know, Irish International, it was like, Christ on a bike. Um, so first of all, I best get my ass in the gear because this guy's going to be absolutely ripping me a new one. But um, yeah, obviously being, coming in as a, obviously number 10, I know numbers don't mean, mean, mean much, but um, I think initially when I came into sort of provide an, an attacking option um, when, when Greg took over. There was, there was kind of no direct competition. Um, but I think as, as time went on, and there was still no competition, I thought there was, uh, you know, we, we also had uh, Peter Murphy and, and, um, and obviously Ian Hard. So we had we had a good balance down the left-hand side. You could, you had, you had a left side, centre-right, you had a left, left, left back and a left winger. Um, so see when sort of Ian, went into the centre-half role and, and I fell back into, into the left-back slot. There was still no competition, but it was one of them where you knew each of each individual could do a multitude of jobs. So it was, it was, it was a nice, it was nice competition for, and I guess a, a headache for, um, for Graham and um, so great for, for Greg to have. Um, and it, it's very rare that you can get three or four left-siders um, to pick and choose from, so yeah, it, it, it was good, like you say, to to have that sort of experience and uh, and, and composure, sort of be behind you and beside you was was reassuring to know and kind of give me initially the freedom to know that I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bomb on. I've got I've got this guy behind us. It'd be, be absolutely fine. Um, so yeah, there was there was no competition, but I think with anything, it, it's healthy competition, and I think the the team we had there was was never any sort of, I guess, bitterness. There was never any um, 
you know, egos to to say I'm 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 going to be playing. I want to be playing. It was it was all good competition. Um, and I think uh, you know it was showcased on on some of the forms that it 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 worked well. Um, not just on the left hand side, but the, the right hand side as well. I mean, is is there? I mean, we've just spoken about the goalkeepers' union a little bit later on. Is there a left footed players' union? I mean, you guys are a rare breed. <laughs> Rare breed, but the better breed. Um, kind of like the, the top-end pedigrees. I think it's always said, and even the right-footers may admit this, the way the left-footers strike the ball is, is, is a joy to watch. It looks um, cooler. And, and, and to be honest, watching Ian Hart strike a ball, there's not many left-footers that are better. Um, Poetry in motion. It, 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 was like, it was like silk. Um, so smooth. Um, but yeah, there's... I, w- I wouldn't say there's a, a left, left-footed union, but yeah, we're, we're, we're a unique breed. <laughs> At the end of your first season with Carlisle United, uh, you guys finished mid-table, which wasn't a bad result by any means. Carlisle were needing to stabilise a little bit. At the time, after Fred's story, the owner sort of moving on and the finances becoming quite a different story um, in quite a quick uh, amount of time. And uh, Greg Abbott was given the difficult task of replacing the likes of Ian Hart and James Chester, who were there on loan. Um, while you were there at Carlisle United after your first season, how do you feel Greg Abbott handled the recruitment and what seemed to be the priorities? Was it always the um, was it the ability or was it the personality of a player? I think I think it's a, it, it's a mixture of both, but I think without having the correct attitude and the, and, and the right personality, you're never going to make it. You can have all the skill in the world, but if you don't marry that up with having the correct attitude, it, it's never going to work. Um, and I think, above all else, trying to to, to to get that balance to slot into the dressing room is, is a challenge for anyone. Um, but I think during my time there and, and obviously Greg's time there, we we had we had a really good dressing room. Even the guys who came in alone, I think you've got to be sort of extremely careful with them. Um, yes, not every one of them worked out, but um, yeah, I think I guess I didn't really discuss too much of them of this with him. Uh, he might be wanting to tell you on, on a podcast himself, but I think he and he probably is totally go against whatever anything I'm saying because eh? he, he was a bit like <laughs> that with me um, in in a, in a humorous way. But I, I think um, you know I think. Picking attitude over over skill, I know it sounds a bit odd, would have been something he, he, he would have considered because you know I think everyone as a collective who want to go the right way, want to do the right things, will become a better team. You might have that one one player who, you know, is is a luxury player, but he might have an absolute rotten attitude, and it's going to stand out. Um, and not that it ever did, but could alienate him himself from from the rest of the lads in the dressing room. Um, so I think he. he the recruitment he did after that, you know, our first year bringing bringing in a mix of both experience and, I guess, younger talent, bleeding into some of the youth team guys as well. I think was really well well done. I mean, like one of the one of the key examples of somebody that is a balance between uh, really good at football and maybe not the best uh, approach every single game in terms of consistency was somebody that Greg Abbott brought in uh, after that first campaign. I'm talking about Franz Zoko, the Ivorian, a man that could score goals that only a magician could imagine, um, but also uh, the next game just, just sort of not turn up. Um, I mean, is 
is there any insight that you can give us on Francois Zoko? I mean, like I've heard from other people that he was he wasn't a bad trainer by any means, and 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 it was just a sort of game by game thing. Yeah, I can say any any player has has good games, bad games. He can have a run of, um, you know, go through that purple patch. Equally, they can go through a period of, of playing where it doesn't work out. But the difference with with Francois was he he fit in well with the dressing room. You know, he he, he was prepared to work. He he, he trained. Um, you know, every day he didn't sort of miss out training. Um, you know, again, like we all do in training, we 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 don't all you know, train to the standards that we want to every day. There's, there might be something misfiring and whether you are carrying a little knock, but, you know, that's not to say he, he didn't turn up. I mean, obviously, he quickly adapted to 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 the climate and I've, ne- I've never seen a, seen a man train in scuba gate before, but, um, you know, that <laughs> it was, uh, no. He, 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 the thing is with Francois, he, he, he fit in really well and, you know, he, he did put a shift in for the team. You know, he, he gave us a lot. He wasn't one that, you know, wouldn't work when our team. Yes, he would try things and which, which you don't mind. You know, you, you want people to, to express themselves, but you know, he, he wouldn't then just stop working. He he, he would graft. Um, so yeah, he, he, he was a pleasure to play with Francois. Um, he certainly added um, a, a lot of flair to the team and, and also give that crowd a little bit of a lift. Um, you know, you had that feeling similar to Ben Marshall, I guess, in a sense where. He picked up the ball and he thought, oh, something's going to happen here. Um, even, even if it didn't, any time he got the ball, it was like, hmm, something's going to happen here. It'd be that same feeling. Um, you know, did he get frustrated with with some of his performance? Of course he did. He, you know, he, he wanted to he wanted to be the best. He wanted to score. Every time he had the ball, he wanted to make something happen. Um, a kind of, a, a bit like, um, obviously not at that level, you know, he's like on Ibrahimovic, you know, Eric Cantona, as he would, they would get pissed off when it didn't go well. You know, it's because they had that passion for the game. Um, but yeah, he certainly wasn't one of these luxury players who, you know, he, he came in and we had to carry. No, it wasn't. It wasn't the case. He, he came in and, and, and fit in really well with the with the dressing room environment. Yeah, what's the what's the scuba gear story? <laughs> oh, I'm just saying, like you know, every day was cold. You know, he, like, ah. I, I was taking the mic. Like he always used to come out fully wrapped up, hat on, gloves on, snood on. Right. Like, okay. Oh, yeah. Francois under these layers somewhere. Um, yeah, he, he was. Uh, yeah, he always complaining about the cold. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even with the additions of Francois Oko's magic, the following season was also a mid-table season. But to be fair, it, this is a really important time in Carlisle United's history because you see teams at the level that we were at at that time being consistent Premier League performers. I'm talking about teams like Southampton, Leeds and Brighton, Brentford. These are teams that were regularly featuring at this level and we're receiving the right kind of investment to push on to somewhere where Carlisle United fans can now only dream of uh, possibly reaching um is that something you guys could see at the time was the buzz from those clubs um when do you know what i mean was there any sort of thing about that um any news or, or is that all sort of like hit you with by surprise uh no i think we could only deal with what was in front of us you know it was again you go back to you can't control what's happening behind the scenes in investment and stuff we, we, we were there and we were paid to, to do a job, um, you know, whether we got the investment where we, or whether we didn't. Each week we went out to try and give our everything um, to, to try and climb further. Like, but like you rightly say, there was, during that two, three year period of, of my first years, there was some sort of 
big clubs in there, and then clubs who, you know, had aspirations like your Brentford too. Obviously, I guess had a had a, had a greater catchment area who um, were more appealing to investors. I guess where they, they, they kind of felt they want to get a bit more return. Um, yeah, I mean, you played against it. It was always in the press and and stuff like you read. So, but did it affect us? Nah. You know, at the end of the day, we're, we're paid to do a job. Um, we're not, or we weren't there to think, oh Christ, these, these are getting investment. These are going to be these are going to be brilliant. You know, it wasn't the case. I think. You know, you look at Leeds and Southampton. They spent a number of years at that level because they are where they wanted. Well, they were there on on, on merit. You know, it's whether they were getting investment or not. We all still had a job to do, and I guess all these things you, you can't control. But certainly, was an experience. You know, turning up to to places like Ellen Road and St Mary's and and, and playing in sort of the stadium like that and thinking, bloody Christ, these have been at the Premier League. Um, but you know that I guess again. I look back at that time and think, Christ, I was I was very very lucky. Um, so yeah. I mean, um, I mean, the following season, Carlisle United and and yourself, the rest of the team managed to gain some kind of success. And I'm obviously talking about the English Football League trophy uh, victory. Before we go on to sort of talk about the final, uh, the sort of players that you were surrounded by at the time were the likes of Paul Thurwell, Frank Simek, Lubomir Mikulik, and and the, and, the, and they're quite different names than what you started with. And these are mixed with long-termers still, like Peter Murphy and Graham Kavanagh. And you've now become established as, as a bit of a long-term um, player at the club by this season. Um, had the dynamic changed at all? Uh, obviously, management had changed over uh, that little period of time. Had any kind of... Uh, um, uh, anything change for you? Uh, I, I don't think the the dynamic has changed, but it's 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 like it's like anything really. You, you know, what's the old saying? Rome wasn't built overnight, and it's a gradual thing. Um, obviously, you know, players it it come and gone, and you know we we utilise the loan system well. Um, but we also had that you know a core a core group who had been around the dressing room for a couple of years, who you know provided that bit of stability. Um, and you know, I guess, I guess a little bit of know-how and a bit of, I guess, experience to the guys who were sort of coming through. Where maybe it's had a year on, on the one place. So I don't think the the dynamic changed, but I think it's just football. You you've got to continue to roll with the punches, and you accept that there's always going to be changes. There's going to be people coming, people going. But yeah, um, you know, we, I guess the the build up, and I guess we were kind of really riding. Sort of a crest of a wave. We were, we felt good. We we'd learned from the experiences of the year before, where we we got an absolute doing. Um, it was the the occasion was was a bit overwhelming. Uh, we'd you know we we'd gone into it trying to prepare as best as we can. I think we turned up with you know fully suited and booted, and turned down there a couple of days before the game, where kind of give us that experience. It was a lesson learned of right, okay. We've, we've got people to, it wasn't a fully sort of frank reassessment of stuff we, we had no intention I guess of you know or expectation that we were going to get get back there next year but it was kind of like right okay and it was more of the next season what, what, what we're going to learn we've just you know experienced something that was, should have been a massive high and it, there was a, a sense of oh god we've let ourselves down uh, I mean we, we went completely hands down beaten um, you know um, good team, team though that's how oh, they, they, they like, yeah, they're a really good team yeah we, we, we got beaten but then you look at the at the league games uh, the, the next year 
I can't yeah. remember, did, did we beat them at home? 3-2, possibly. And I think we drew with them down at St Mary's away. So, you know, the, it wasn't a case of, Christ, these are head and shoulders above us. It was just they were better on the day. Um, but obviously, once we started getting to the to the, to the further rounds of the latter rounds of, of the following year's cup, it was kind of like, okay, there's another good sense of, you know, we, we could achieve something here. And we got the final and, and changed the approach and we're a lot more relaxed. They turned down there, I think, maybe said day or so beforehand, turned up the game and tracksuits had that bit more relaxed feel. Let, let's be comfortable, let's go into it. And we we learned from it. Um yes, the, the crowd and the kind of the, the the atmosphere levels weren't the same as, as the previous year, but you know, you're still playing at Wembley, there's still a massive atmosphere, there's still a sense of expectation that you've got there now, here's your opportunity. You know, to play there once is an absolute dream. To play there twice is an absolute luxury. Um and I think there was that little sense of feeling we, we're not going to let ourselves down again. Um, it was a close, close game, but yeah, the you know the feeling of of winning it, and I think deserving to win was 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 you know re- rewarded from the, the work that we put in there to to get there again. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I, I had a couple of questions there, but you've done a really good job of sort of like covering what what I, what I had in the bag, mate. Um, all all of all of really want to cover. I mean, there's forty thousand uh, Carlisle United fans there at the final, but before you got to the final, there was a bit of a hell raising Northern playoff final uh, over two legs. Where I mean, you beat Huddersfield four nil, and then and then and then and then, and then you lost against them three nil, and you make everyone absolutely shit themselves, mate. I mean, what the hell was the story going? Going on there, mate. What was going on there? I need to ask you. Yeah. What were you playing at? I mean, yeah, you, you think funnel oh, up first leg. Like, think, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll, you know, not not close to such, but yeah, we should be, we should have a, enough of a cushion or buffer um, to get through. And you think, oh, you've scored the one goal. You think, yeah, we're all right. And I think was it one nil at half time. I think they they got one back. And I think, yeah, you know, we we still comfortable. You know, we no panic stations. You got the second one. It's like. Oh, no, because I don't think we were offering a great deal going forward. And I think it was obviously their crowd right behind them, especially when they got the second. I was like, oh, shit. And they got the third. And I was like, oh, my God. And I think, I can't remember. We, I think we cleared one off the line at one point. I think it was Alan, what the hell do you call it, the big striker that played for them? Oh, um, big curtain. Yeah, lad, I think yeah, Alexander. Alexander. I said, no. Was it Alan? What's it called? Adam Reed. How was he called? Weston. Nope. Reading off some of the names of the team. He he was, it had been kind of the end, not towards the, I guess the twilight of his career, he was was a big bashing centre forward. I think he had a header late on and I came if it hit the post or we cleared off the line, it was panic station. It was like, we got through, you know, we we didn't have to go to extra time or anything like that. So it was, um, you know, we, we got through it and, um, yeah, but it, we we didn't expect it to go that way. I mean, we didn't even expect to win four 0 in the first leg, but you know, we did. Uh, it was a but, bit of a nightmare. It yeah, was a bit did, of a nightmare, mate. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Was, we, we got through it, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You got through. It, you got to the final, and obviously, you got to see Peter Murphy sort of uh, become um, even more of a Carlisle United legend. He pops up and scores important goals for Carlisle. I mean, where were you on the pitch? What was your view of that uh, that swiping foot, uh, that oh, powerful yeah, strike yeah, into the yeah. corner? Where was I in the pitch? I might have been because I think we came from. A, did it come from a corner? Yeah, the goal. I think the goal came from yeah. a corner, I believe. Yeah. So I'd have been 
at the halfway line, sort of uh, preventing any any counter attack. Um, but I, I mean, obviously, I had a direct line to to, to Murph, and I was like, I, <laughs> you know, you know, to anyone, whether it was you know me or anyone else, to see a goal go in at Wembley for a team that you're playing for, it's like an experience like no other. Um, it was it was absolutely amazing, like you said, you know, rightly so, you know. Cemented his is is his place in Carlisle folklore as an absolute legend. But to, to score a Wembley goal and to and secure a trophy is was absolutely fantastic. And you yourself in this game became a bit of a Carlisle legend, and your career with Carlisle went on to to have a little bit more of a highlight. We've spoken about your Player of the Year awards and things around there, but before that, mate, um, in the final in the seventy seventh minute, you got yourself a yellow card. What are your memories of that? Did I? Um, <laughs> I, I can't. I, I can't recall. I must have been tired. Um, okay. I, I, I didn't. I didn't get many. Um, but yeah. Um, you know. I think. Um, and I, so, being or not, I have watched the final back, and you know. Um, you know. I was. I was. I was proud of not only sort of myself being there, but I think of what we accomplished, and um, you know, whatever it, it took to win the game, and um, you know. It, some some may see this as downright cheating, but you know we're in this game to win. Um, if it meant you know, I guess sacrificing the yellow card for the sake of someone going in through and goal, then you know we we do these things. It it, it it's kind of a natural instinct. It, it's nothing nothing I guess intentional, nothing to do any harm to anyone. But it's like you know we're here to win, um, and I think anyone in that position would 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 have taken the yellow sort of to, to sort of make sure that you know we, we kept the opposition out but yeah no I, I look back at that and I think you know it's and it, it, it probably wasn't but it felt like I think the best game that any of us had ever had um, you know because it, it, it took a lot to go back there again um, you know what we put in there once we realised you know we were going through the rounds to, to get there and it took a lot of energy and you know we got over the line 1-0 and um, I think a lot of us would look back on that game as probably being the best game we've ever had. You know, it, it, you say in terms of technical and, and how it looked, it probably wasn't. But I think the feeling after the game was, you know, that was absolutely amazing. And, and the jubilation and stuff was 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 up there. And you, I, I, you, know, you look back at it and think, what a, what a fantastic achievement it was. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, I mean, it's the last trophy Carlisle United won, uh, the last sort of professional trophy Carlisle United won. Um, Matt, I am conscious of the time now, and I don't want to sort of like eat into too much of your personal time. I do actually have about sort of like five questions left, and I think you've run mm-hmm. out of beer, haven't you? Are you sure? No, are you all right? Do you carry on. It's fine. Are you all right? Do you want to get I, a beer? Are you all right? No, no, I'm absolutely fine. All right. All right. Well, Tar, very much, man. I really appreciate that, man. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, what I did have for you, um, but I was conscious of the time, and if you all right to indulge me was a little bit of a quiz uh, to do with the final um i was wondering if you because i'm always curious about how much information footballers can retain and especially being on big days of the career um, i was wondering if you could perhaps name um the starting 11 that you were obviously a part of for that final i don't think i've ever heard a footballer be able to recount a full uh, 11 from a final and uh, i think that'd be quite impressive so can you uh, can you remember who was alongside you on that faithful day within the starting 11 Christ on a bike what a question that is um, <laughs> so um, I believe Adam Collin was in goal yes Frank Simek right back oh yeah Lubo Lubo Mikulik Murph 
Murph. Me. That's it. We had Ben Marshall. Marshall did start the game. We had Paul Thurwell. Yes, Paul. Yeah. Adam Clayton. Did he? No, he was not. Oh. That was the year before. That was the year before. Oh, well saved. Well it saved. That, that, that was the year before. Um, <laughs> who is the center with next to the... James Barrett. Uh-huh. Left side was... Poor. Did... Wait, did... Tom Tywo play? He did. Oh, he? he did. He? So I think we might have played a three. Uh-huh. And Marshall. Uh-huh. Francois. Uh-huh. And Craig Curran. Oh, he's done it. He's absolutely rinsed it. Yeah. <laughs> well played, and, mate. And well then, played. Uh, and Ben Marshall came off injured. I think he absolutely smashed his ankle. Uh, yeah. And that game came off on a... Wait, did he end up getting a stretch around? Um, he did. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. There you go. Absolute tragedy, man. Absolute tragedy for Ben Marshall. And he got 23 minutes at Wembley. Went off crying, the commentators uh, said. Yeah. But I didn't see any tears, Ben. I didn't see any tears. I'm sure Ben's listening, obviously, <laughs> being a good friend of yours, mate. Um, I mean, uh, the, the next question is, mate, is uh, what minute was the goal scored from Peter Murphy? That is a good question. <laughs> It was it was definitely the first half. It was. Oh, miles out here, but I'm gonna say something like 17 or 27 minutes or something like that. Oh, it was 12, mate. 12. It's really early. I was gonna say really, 17. Really early. 17. It's like, yeah, it was early. I remember it being I remember it being quite early. Um, it makes it yeah. all the more impressive, man, that you guys really dug in there deep. It was yeah. a really spirited performance, mate. And like I said, it was the last time uh, we won uh, a, a professional trophy, which really does cement all of you guys in Carlisle United uh, fans' folklore. And something else that cements you in Carlisle United fans' folklore is obviously winning the Carlisle United Player of the Season Award. Um, and then you went on to sign a two-year deal with the club. I mean, you must have been riding high at that point. Point. What were those contract uh, negotiations like? Was it just as simple as I'm enjoying my time here? I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely doing great, obviously. If I'm winning awards, I'll sign whatever you put in front of me. Um, or was the other teams interested if you because you were doing well, you know, the, the very well might have been other yeah, teams interested. Yeah, I mean, throughout obviously my, my time, I loved it. And the contract stuff was was never ever an issue. Um, you know, it was, I love, I love my time there. Um, I'd like to think of myself as a as, as a loyal person to give back. I guess everything that's been given to me. Um, you know, I wasn't sort of obviously. Yeah, you know, don't get me wrong. Obviously, to potentially be even higher would have been you know would have been a dream. But you know, I, I love my time there. Um, and obviously, when I was coming to the end, it was always like, oh, I'm going to get one. And you know, thankfully, I, I signed a couple of extra deals. Um, obviously, from initially signing, and um, it, it was never sort of. In question, because uh, you know, I, I love I love my time. I love the people. Uh, I loved sort of who I was playing for. Um, so yeah, it was it was, it was quite quite straightforward. I, I do think through sort of when during I was kind of in the middle of contract, um, sort of tied down. I do believe that there may have been interest, and I think you know there was potential um, irons in the fire. But I think in terms of what 
valuation was against what clubs wanted to pay, it didn't work out. And it wasn't something that, you know, I was upset didn't happen because it was one of those, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you know, you know, I am still playing football. Um, it was never, it was never sort of an intention to leave because I was always given everything I got, well, everything I could for, for Carlisle and, and the shirt I was wearing. Um, and, and that's where I've always been. I've never been one to think, I'm doing anything for a move. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Ultimately, if I play and I, you know, get injured and do at least I did doing something that I love doing, uh, I accepted that as as kind of always been who I am. So yeah, it, it was it was always easy. Um, no, I think there was always a, a worry. Oh shit, am I going to get offered a new deal? Thankfully, I did a couple of times, but yeah, it was it was it was straightforward. It really was straightforward. I mean, after the, after the Player of the Season award, um, I mean, things didn't go that well for the club and Carlisle United got relegated to League Two and there was a bit of a transition in terms of management. Obviously, Graham Kavanagh kind of came and went very quickly. Um, and what was that like? It wasn't the first time in your career uh, that you'd have a player that you were playing with week in, week out, all of a sudden become your manager. Um, was, was, was that completely different experience this time around? Was Graham Kavanagh just a completely different kind of person? No, you know, Cav... From, from playing with him to, to to sort of him going into a management role was was always the same. Um, again, he was he was he was a winner. You know, he was he was tough as nails. He 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 demand or he, I guess he demanded the best, not only out of himself but out of everyone else. Um, you know, he, he he came from good stock. He had a fantastic career, and again, I guess not too dissimilar to what I'm trying to do now. He was trying to sort of develop um, people alongside him to, to sort of you know to encourage them to be better um, and he, 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 he kind of you know didn't sort of change overnight from getting the manager role from when he was a player because he, he still expected the best out of everyone um, you know unfortunately it didn't work out which which these things things happen but yeah I think the the passion and the energy and the commitment that he put into to train and trying to sort of make things better you, you know was, was never in question um, see the performances on the field you know, it, it didn't work, and, and that's as much on, on us as, as it is as a manageable. Ultimately, it, it's obviously the manager's head that that falls. Um, and it, it was tough to see him go. You know, I, I spent a lot of time with Carv and um, travelled the, the country with with both him and and, and Ian and, and Paul Thurwell. And uh, I've nothing but sort of respect and time for, for every one of them for, I guess, the support that they gave me. And, um, you know, it's uh, yeah, it, it, it was tough um, to see Cup got really was. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's an interesting sort of uh, time of 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 at Carlisle United because you, on paper a lot of moves start sort of look right. You know, bringing Graham Kavner in as manager with that sort of wealth of experience and the level of football that he played, and and uh, obviously the club being in the position that it was in, everything seemed to be right, but nothing really seemed to to get going. And unfortunately, Kavner was moved on, and um, I mean. This is another thing that, 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 that mystifies a couple of Carlisle United fans about yourself, uh, Matty Robson. You went from such a great position being the Carlisle United Player of the Year awards, and then I believe there was a couple of injuries, uh, maybe that kind of like never got fully healed, and it was kind of an in and out of the, the of the team kind of thing for a while. And then, well, how did this loan to Gateshead? This is the only the only loan period of your entire career. How did this yeah. come about? In the so, end, so obviously Keith Curl came in, and you're right, obviously. I'd, I mean, it, it, 
I was having back back problems and I was having a couple of epidurals a year and, and prolotherapy just to try and um, you know make sure that I was sort of able to play. Um, ultimately, um, what I understood after sort of um, going out on loan, I, I kind of stood back at that end of the season and thought, I, I can't do this anymore. Um, but the loan came about, obviously, uh, Keith came in and sort of wanted to, to sort of have an impact and um, wanted to yeah, had fresh ideas and wanted to, to change a few things. And um, it was it was a case of, I think, he'd, he'd kind of brought in players and wanted players to play, you know, which 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 is fine. He, he wanted to push in the, the the younger guys, you know, your Brad Potty, Carl Dempsey's absolutely tremendous. You know, I was a big fan of theirs. You know, they were, they were fantastic lads. Um, but a lot of the kind of the, the guys who've been there, been around um, a bit of a, a longer period, like myself and um, and um, Danny Livesey and and Arthur and various others were kind of not not so much cast aside, but kind of like pushed out uh, type of things in, in, in with with view of bringing a fresh approach to the team, which, which is fine. We you know it, we continued to train and and, and play and. Well, when we were playing as, as best we could and, and get involved in, you know, we're professionals at the end of the day, but, you know, managers have, have a new approach, but I, I wanted to play. Um, and whether that was a, a Carlisle being sort of, you know, I, I didn't want to sit there and, and sort of earn my money or sit on the bench for the end of the season. I, wa I wanted to play because, you know, I didn't want to kid anyone. I, I didn't want to think I'm just, you know, there for me, he's happy to make money. I wanted to play. That, that, that's always been me. I wanted to play, um, and in, in a sense, it was kind of a, a, a no-brainer for me. They came in and said, "Look, what you're on loan? I, I wanted to play at Carlisle. Of course, I did. And I, I wanted to be part of the team, um, but I kind of had a sense that it wasn't going to be the case. And uh, no matter what I tried or what I did, I think the vision and, and what he had in mind didn't involve me." So ultimately, I thought I'm, I'm going to have to make a decision here that you know is, is going to be beneficial for me. Um, you know, Gate said where the train was, you know, not stone's throw, but five minutes drive from the house. Um, you know, there were, there were a club where I spoke to uh, the guys there that you know had sort of ambition and we had a, a number of experienced players there and a good group behind them. I thought, you know, what? I, I just want to play. I, I want to play football. Um, went there and I played a, a couple of games and. Felt something wasn't right. Um, you know, I didn't have the power. I didn't have the the, the burst that I had. And I thought some something's not right here. I kept getting little pains. Um, it turned out I needed a double hernia after three games, to kind of finish my season. Um, and after that season, I thought took a frank assessment of of where I was, what state my body was in, and I thought it it it, it was time to call it a day. I didn't want to. Again, you know, you know, playing the game for me was, was something I'd wanted to do, and don't get me wrong, I would continue to play. But when I was honest with myself and thought, I've I've dropped a level. I'm not as sharp as I once was. My body is telling me that I'm no longer capable of of doing that day in day out, and ultimately I wasn't good enough. So I made the decision myself rather than anyone do it. That that's me done for professional football, um, and. You know, do I miss it? Yeah, of course I do. Um, but was it the right decision? Absolutely. Um, and 
I'd rather walk away being f physically able to than being, you know, uh, kind of a, a guy who's struggling to, to mobilise and, 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 and have that mobility for, for the the sake of just continuing the, the career so yeah it was it kind of came to an end quite quickly from my time at Carlisle um, but I, I knew it was the right thing to do um, you know I had a fantastic sort of um, period of both Hartlepool and, and Carlisle and you know I look back on that fondly but um, yeah it was uh, it came to an end quite quickly. Yeah, I mean, that's what caught like a lot of Carlisle United fans sort of off guard. And there was obviously like a lot of uh, comments made uh, after the first episode went out, uh, like wondering where you where you kind of like ended up towards the, the second end of your career. And that's that's obviously what we're covering now, because like I said, you were on a little bit of a pedestal after winning Player of the Year in a lot of the fans' eyes. Um, and then obviously in such a short period of time to have then... You know, on paper, you've dropped down to a, a certain level of football where, in Calais United fans' opinion, you're too good for, you know, like we, we think you're a bit too, you know, but we don't know the ins and outs and we don't know, you know, how you felt about the injury and we don't know yeah. um, any of that kind of stuff. So, mate, I really appreciate you kind of clearing that kind yeah. of stuff up. But, I mean, when it comes to signing uh, for Shildon, I mean... and. Why Shildon? Was it is is it a, is it a close to a hometown thing? Is it a relationship it, thing? Is it, it what's it, the contact? It, it, so it was more of a, a relationship thing. The manager at the time um, was um, he'd always been a close family friend. Um, like going back to when I was a when I was a kid, we had family holidays, um, and obviously when I kind of fully assessed what I wanted to do, and um, he was like, "Oh, come inside." I was like, "All right," and then. Randomly, I had another club in the Northern League who wanted to sign us as well, and, and they'd offered us a brand new kitchen to sign for them. <laughs> like randomly, I uh, knew this kind of stuff went on, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "It's like, yeah." So I went to sign for for Shildon, and they say that again, um, there was uh, a bunch of lads there who had sort of had, a, had, had sort of a bit of exposure to a professional league club setting. Maybe it's not had made a career out of it, um, but it's certainly been through youth setups and. I guess it had pro contracts, but not fully sort of made, you know, a start and, and had a career out of it. So they had, a, they had a good bunch of lads there, you know, the likes of um, Paul Connor, who played for Swansea and, and various of the Watchdale. And so they had, they had a, a, a bunch of lads there who were, were capable of playing football. Um, but like I said, the first season was 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 certainly a bit, a bit of a, a bit of a shell shock, you know, playing on, you know, some difficult fields and you know uh, <laughs> you know it's it was it, it, it was an interesting period and like I say I'm not I'm not I'm not sort of you know wrong what I'm saying it, it was a bit of a shell shock I had a bit of a shocker first season I'm like who the freaking hell is this guy he's played 300 not league games and he's come in and he looks like an absolute shit show um, and it did and it <laughs> the ball's did, like it, bouncing all you know I was like time. bloody hell I was like I was I had my Puma stand finders on, like constantly kicking the ball out. I was like, "What the hell?" So it it, it, it did. It took a bit of a, it took a bit of adapting. Um, but from then on, obviously, uh, you know, it went well. Obviously, at that level, we won leagues, we won trophies, um, and we we had a we had a really good thing going. And um, yeah, it was that that that's how it all came about, really. Man, you had a really long career with Shildon, and it was um, it wasn't only up until last season where, where you've yeah. to yeah. I think it was sort of during I think it was during lockdown. Obviously, then we were allowed to play again. Um, 
you know, there was, I think, Towlard. When I was, I was on the, I was still contract with Sheldon. Um, Towlard put, I think, seven days or something in, and uh, I, I think I, I dropped out of Sheldon. I kind of, kind of said I'd, I'd walk away, but it still held my registration. If that made sense. It put mm. seven. Towlard put seven days in as he do, and then I'll sign a player in seven days. Um, and they were saying, oh, can you come and help us out? So I went, went across. It wasn't an intention to to go anywhere else. But children, I said I'd packed in. But they said, oh, we only need you for a month. That month's turned into about three. Um, and then children wanted me to come back because they had FA Vars games. And so they put <laughs> seven days in again. I'm like, Christ, on the mic. Um, but and then again, I, I thought, you know, I, I kind of need to get out. You know, I, 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 I was always looking for an out. And I, although I have dabbled recently, it's never been something that's been uh, a continued or prolonged spell of, of a full season. It was more of just, look, I, I'll help out where I can. Um, and, I'm, and I'm happy with that now. You know, I've, I've, I've had a fantastic time. and I still enjoy my football now, even now in a Sunday league. Um, for a local village team where I grew up in, uh, know a lot of the lads and played with it at you know school and secondary school level. Um, I get a lot of enjoyment out of playing that now, and you know there's not as much pressure to turn up week in week out. And you know it's it, it's 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 right that I'm there now. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's been absolutely fascinating. Like, I can only I can only imagine like how difficult it is to sort of uh, like like slowly start putting the boots away and and focusing on a different career. In fact, I can't imagine how difficult it is. It's probably about as difficult as me wanting to say goodbye to you, mate. But I can't take up <laughs> any more of your time. Do you like my little segue? Did you like it? <laughs> I did. I like that. <laughs> I can't take up any more of your time, mate. I really do appreciate everything you've done, not just in the first episode but this episode. Um, I mean, all the best to you doing this recruit. Recruitment, mate. I really appreciate you talking to not just me, but obviously the listeners. The, and I appreciate the listeners sending in uh, the questions, mate. So just thank you so much, no, mate. For just anytime, honestly, it's, time. Been, it's been an absolute pleasure. And it's a, it, I mean, I'll, I'll be never against sort of doing it again. Um, but no, I've enjoyed it, Liam. Thank you very much for sort of giving us a giving us a message all those months ago, <laughs> um, trying to sort this out. But no, I've, I've I've really enjoyed it, and you know, I look back fondly of, of everything that I've done and. Um, and everything I, get, I guess I've achieved my career I can look back and think yep I can look back and smile and now I can pass it on to, to my son and pass that you know hopefully one day he, he may pull on a, on a jersey again but uh, yeah no, thank you very much Oh, mate. I mean, I just like I said, mate, really appreciate your time. Really appreciate the stories that you've given us. And um, I, I mean, there's nothing left for us really to do on the podcast, mate, apart from say goodbye to the listeners. So it's goodbye from me, Skelly. Bye-bye. And it's goodbye from Mr. Matty Robson. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> this has been episode 71 of the Blue Army podcast. It's been an absolute wonderful uh, journey. Really appreciate uh, your time. One more time, Mr. Matty Robson said goodbye, goodbye. Bye for now.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.